I think it's going to rain and it's going to stop. This is I Am a Griefist, a childhood cancer grief journey podcast. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <gasps> Hi, new voice. Well, it's not really new. No. No. It should sound familiar to our people. Who we got today? We got a guest co-host joining us. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. What's your name, sir? Uh, Steve. <laughs> Better known Steve. as Papa. Yeah. <laughs> Papa Steve. <laughs> well, we have another guest today. A griefist. But I asked Steve to join us again because it's a dad. And I want him to feel supported through the male gender. I know gender identity is a hot topic in the States. But I do feel like originally when this griefist had reached out to us, mom had said something about how Steve or shared his experience. And so I wanted to bring Steve on to hopefully have a connection and you guys can sort of relate. So yeah, I'm excited. This person comes from us again from across the globe. Nice. Do we know where they're from? Why does Australia come to my mind? It's not Australia. Yeah, those those are, that's Kelly and Rhea and... I don't know. Yeah. England? No. Mm. No, don't know. You probably wouldn't guess. South Africa. South Africa. Whoa. (laughs) So the the sad part is, is the cancer hits everywhere. It's not just. All over the globe. Yeah. All over the world. Yeah. All right. So we will bring in our guest and get the party started. Let's do it. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Introduce yourself. Hi, I am Ian and... Yeah, I found out our daughter had cancer at three. She was diagnosed with neuroblastoma and, yeah, passed away, was it 14 months later when she was four? My goodness. Neuroblastoma is new for us, so we might use this time for a little education as well. But tell us, so start from the beginning. Tell us. How Gracie came to be. Tell us how she was as a baby. Tell us all about her. She was just, she wasn't planned to start <laughs> with. So we, we tried for ages with our, with our older daughter, with our first one. And eventually, after more than a year of our pregnant with her, and we were actually in the UK at the time, um, and then came back to South Africa, had, the, had our first one, and then almost just under two years, what, 20 months? 21 months later, found out we were pregnant with her. So we weren't we weren't quite mm. ready for Nick for the second one yet, but she popped into our life, so it was awesome. And yeah, she was she was the same. She was a good baby. There were no sort of there was nothing wrong in the beginning. Size was right, length, baby, all those kind of things were just all they were just all good. They were right. They were how they were supposed to be. And then later on, we sort of started noticing that she got a bit sick. Now and then, and we just thought it was sort of, I've, I've got terrible hay fever. We just thought it was one of those things. Maybe she caught on my lack of the hay fever and often the season change and then it rains and then the sun's out and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to rain and it's going to stop. 
we kind of just thought it was all part of sort of growing up and getting used to your new environments and learning what's around you and that kind of thing yeah so we never really took much notice of it and then we were actually going away and we had been my wife had taken her to the doctor i was working my wife had taken her to the doctor and she said it's it just seems like a normal um, virus or whatever there's no infection so she can't give antibiotics or in any of that kind of thing because there's no infection mm. so just carry on what you're doing the uh, panado paracetamol that kind of thing keep going with whatever you're normally doing it seems to be working she's okay so we went away and then came back and she while we were away she still wasn't 100% so we came back and then yeah she used to fall asleep quite often um, which is not normal for her she was a very active kid she was mm. up and down but yeah so she she fell asleep a lot more than what she would sort of normally do and it was a busy weekend we were away we were in the caravan with different environment everything so we kind of just we knew it wasn't sort of normal mm-hmm. but yeah we kind of just went with it and then when we came back from from our little getaway we wanted to go back to the doctor and the same thing a few days later to go back to the doctor and she said well there's no infection so just sort of yeah carry on with what you're doing it's she there's nothing much really else that she can do so we thought okay well and then a few days later well, I've actually asked them to give us a referral letter to go to the kids' hospital. And it was quite late in the day when she went, when she took uh, Gracie. And so I think the one specialist or one of the one of the surgeons or something was actually just about to leave. And she came through and then sort of had a look and said, no, there's something, there's something that, you know, there's, they, found, they found a mass or something. So anyway, so, mm-hmm. no, we need to come back for more tests and that kind of thing. What was your thought when you heard a mass? Had you had prior experience with cancer? What was your initial not thoughts really. when you heard that? Okay. Yeah, not really. I mean, my my mom had breast cancer, well, it must have been about a year, two years or so, just before we found out about Grace too. So there's, there's been cancer in the family and that kind of thing, but nothing sort of this with a mass and that kind of thing. So it was kind of we didn't really know what was happening. We kind of thought the worst, or expect the worst, but hope for the best. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, we just carried on and then went back to the hospital and they did all of the biopsies and, I don't know, MRI and lumbar puncture and all of those. And then this, some of the results came back fairly quickly and the others had very full results. So they, they had confirmed that there was definitely cancer but they were waiting for the for the results and the biopsies to come back properly and so they had arranged a meeting for us i think about a week later that was yeah that was the june the 7th was when we first took her to the hospital and then it was i think the 13th so which a week we went in for a meeting with, with the oncologist and everybody and that's when we sort of found out and they just said all of the information everything and then we were just like yeah, well she was she was terminal from diagnosis oh, oh wow. gosh she had she had the uh, stage stage four high-risk neuroblastoma <clears throat> so neuroblastoma is quite a funny one because it it, it it starts essentially in your adrenal gland 
And from there, it just spreads out. You've got an adrenal gland on both sides. It just spreads out from there. So by the time we found out, we saw the uh, x-rays of her entire body. And there were you could see little patches in her mm. liver, I think, in her bone. It was oh. in her lung. Oh, my goodness. Her, her marrow, her blood. It was, it mm. was just everywhere. The main mass that was in her sort of belly was about the size of a pomegranate at that oh, time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What do you remember from hearing those words and immediately a terminal diagnosis? What was that yeah, like for so you guys? It, it was crazy. I mean, you see things and it's like one of those things you always say, you, you know that the stuff is out there and mm-hmm. you know that it's happening, but you never think that it's going to be this close to home. No. And, and yeah. then something like that happens and you just sort of taken it back and you're like, you sort of basically, I remember just being like, okay, what now? Yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit there anymore. I, I wanted to get out of there to start mm-hmm. with, but I, I just remember the whole of like, okay, so what now? Mm-hmm. And I remember after he had spoken to all of us, my wife, Kate, went out and then I sort of sat with him for a little bit and I just want, just basically said to him again, okay, tell me again, mm-hmm. but tell me in English. Like, mm, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just pretend like I'm stupid and I don't yes. know what is going on. Yes. So yeah, we just kind of took it from there. He said, don't make any uh, decisions now. Think about it. He gave us a few options of what we could really do. He gave us three options of, yeah, immediately to palliative. Oh um, my God. Wow. Which wouldn't have given much time, months, months maybe. From the beginning, it was months to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. So that was the one option. The second option was like a super aggressive chemo. Yeah, which with the super aggressive chemo, it might have been also just a few months, or we can try and take a sort of softer approach with the chemo and hopefully extend extend that. And having a going into surgery, trying to get out as much as they can. Not to cure her, but to let her live a little bit longer. Yeah, just to sort of try and give us a bit more uh, a bit more time with her and just to sort of extend that a bit. I have so yeah. many questions. It's all right. Fire away. Um, um, can you hear my wife? I know, yeah, I, know, I, I love it, actually. Let <laughs> me just swap it around. <laughs> and then we're on the side here. Hi. Hi. Hello. Oh, my God. So you get this terminal diagnosis. How do you communicate to the family, to the kids, to Gracie, what's going on? So we were super honest, especially our close people and close friends and Gracie and our older daughter, Ella. We were super honest with them from the beginning. We didn't say, she's got cancer, she's going to die. But we were just super honest with her and said, there's something sort of yucky inside and it's it's not helping. And everybody else, we could kind of say, She's got cancer. It's this cancer. They would then research it and all of mm-hmm. the horrible stuff would come out. But we could, we, we were honest from the beginning with the girls. I mean, they were not even two years apart. They were best friends. But Grace mm. was, Grace was very old for her age. She, it's almost as if she knew and understood instantly. Mm. She was just, she accepted and that was that. She had no questions of why me or, but, you know, I don't want to go to the hospital or anything. She just took it in her stride. That was the type of kid she was. Wow. Though. Yeah, it was, it was hectic. 
Um, but we were also very, very, very lucky. We were part, um, we were handed over to another company who runs with the Red Cross Hospital um, called Pete Powell. Um, and Pete Powell is non-profits, completely non-government. They've got no help financially from anybody. Um, well, obviously from people, but not from the government. Mm-hmm. Um, we were very lucky that they took us under pro bono and they have a huge team of people who kind of guided us and helped us and helped us with our wording and helped us with, um, you know, I didn't understand a lot. Of what oh, was going yeah. On. So it's they, a different language. Yeah. yeah. So they actually explained to me sometimes I didn't know what the doctor had said and I could literally take the folder to the other the other doctors. Grace called it her favorite doctors, her nice doctors. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't pick her or anything. Right. <laughs> and they would explain to me, in layman's terms and, and then you know we could move on so they they were phenomenal um and because of them grace was able to pass at home and stuff so they were with us from day one up until the end and three years later they still contact wow. us they still check how we are i can still get therapy through them through them mm. they've organized my daughter ella goes for her therapy so yeah we were Amazing. very lucky to have oh, a team like that oh that's very nice very good they they also helped us and there's there's a book that you can buy what is a book called about the window to sort of explain it's a it's a it's a kid's book no that was your mom yeah that was for your mom there's a there's a kid's book that sort of sophie's garden katie's garden katie's garden that's it and it's it's sort of you it's a kid's book that you read and it sort of goes through how it almost explains to them what's happening Mm. but in a very soft and nice way that they can almost understand. Except in that book that the child survives and there was no way we could read that book to the to Grace yeah. because there yeah. was no way to say like, hey, you know, actually, you might get through this because we knew it wasn't going to happen. Oh. Um, and when she started chemo, she got so sick that if we had gone the hardcore route, um, some of the other kids that have, the, some of the other families, like a friend of ours that we made through, their child lasted three weeks on oh, that. Wow. On, and I think also in South Africa, our the things are different. Our for us to get the best of the best treatments costs us. People have to spend everything to get us to. It, it's just not possible. Yeah. But also, uh, there was he did say something about that that we could try getting into the US or to the UK or something where they have other sort of things that they can do. But there was, what was it, a 1% or 2% no, or something? So, like so neuroblastoma, because of the way it is, it's tumors that pop up everywhere. Even if everything gets cleared now, you, your chances of it coming back is 95%. Wow. And then your chances of it coming back is 99% after oh. that. And so it, it's, just, it's just one of those cancers. And if we had caught it a year or two earlier, it's also one of those cancers that the younger the children are, the, like... <laughs> they don't die. <laughs> if you can catch it under one, it's a completely curable disease. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Because because we just found out so late and by that time it was already stage four, high risk. It was wow. kind of like, Well, this is this is what we can do now to try and help you and help Gracie. But at the end of the day, she's terminal and that's what it is. So, yeah, we just, we went home. We didn't go home, actually. Where did Gracie go? 
Grace wasn't with us for the music. Yeah, she wasn't with she us. We went, we went straight to uh, a little pub or something down the road from the hospital and we just got absolutely hammered. <laughs> it's yeah. just 11 o'clock yeah. in the morning yeah. and the owners was a friend of a friend, so they let us in, kept the business closed for a few hours and we all just like, yeah. my sister and her partner and friends came Friends around. came that knew that what was happening and they came and we all kind of, we all sat there and we decided, right, what's next? And the first thing was, we have to have a party. Grace needs to have a party. Before she starts chemo, before she gets mm. really sick, there were probably about 150 people in our house, which was wow. insane. Wow. At that party, we had magicians. We had, I, I don't even, I, I, I went to sleep. I couldn't <laughs> halfway through the party. I just went and fell asleep. Um, so many people came and that was the main thing. Let's plan a party. Yeah. Pre-chemo, everything. And then it started. Yeah. So talk us through, so Ian had shared that there were some options you were provided. <clears throat> Knowing that the terminal diagnosis, but you can still do these things to prolong her life. Can you share with us that, that decision? How did you guys come to the decision you came to? It was It was very difficult to make that decision because of the sort of situation, I suppose. But we just thought we we don't want to go. We actually often talk about it, and we 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 think would it have been better mm-hmm. if we had chosen that route or a different route. Mm-hmm. But we just we decided at that point we made a decision and we sort of stuck with it. We decided that if we were going to go straight in with the sort of hardcore aggressive chemo, it's it, not going to be nice from the beginning. And it would have been in another country. We wouldn't have been able to afford the four of us going together. Wow. It would have been Grace and myself. And the chances are her passing in another country by myself, you know. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of decided we're going to go with the more sort of subtle chemo, the more softer chemo, um, where she doesn't have to stay in the hospital for days and weeks at a time. The the longest one was what three days or whatever. Yeah, when they tried the different routes. Yeah, so it's it, it was a lot more outpatient. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to sleep over in the beginning as much. It was more you sort of go in in the morning, you get your chemo. If they're not happy with the DLC, otherwise you, you come out sort of that mm. afternoon, that evening type thing. So it, for us, it was more about the quality of life for Absolutely, them. Absolutely, yeah. From from the get-go, we knew it was terminal, so we just thought, well, let's just give her the best life for her, but also for us and for her sister, for Ella. Mm-hmm. Let's just give her the best life that we can. And so it started off that way. It, it was also that we could change at any time. Mm-hmm. If the chemo was reacting well and she was doing well on it, you know, we could always step it up and then see and then see. So it was also testing the waters. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, in our oncology side, I mean, I'm sure it is in all over the world. It's not you're not just with one oncologist who's deciding your fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a team. Yeah, it is. And then it was Peachtail team, and it was the heads of departments, and this, and it was just I think there was something like 50, 40 people. Wow. So we we looked at well, we don't know we don't know what to do. What is your opinion? And then, you know, they said our best, the best way, what we would recommend, which we, you know, some people don't want to recommend, some people do, depends on the doctor. And our oncologist said, I would go for the middle, you're safe. Mm. Um, and, and it's, you can't guarantee anything, but, you know, it's the safer option. Um, and it's the better option for Grace's little body. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's also what we went through. Like, we don't know what we're talking about. We're not professionals. We don't know anything to do with anything medically. So I trusted the professionals and I'm glad I did. Yeah. Did you Google anything? I didn't. I think he did. <laughs> I did Google a little bit, but I it, it was more just a, a sort of background. It's just, she, when you go in and they when we found out all of the information, you just get bombarded with all of the stuff and it's like, okay, but what is neuroblastoma? Yeah. So it was just that kind of stuff. I also I, I'm not one of those people, oh my, my 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 left arm is a bit sore. What does that mean? Holy shit, I've got I've got this disease. Yeah. I'm not one of those people that do that kind of thing. I if something's sore, I'll go to the doctor and say, What's happening? Yeah. So I didn't want to be one of those sort of Google doctors and say, Okay, so this is gonna happen in like two months. And then in four months' time, uh, that's going to happen. So I thought I just wanted to find out a bit more sort of background information yeah. as to what is neuroblastoma, what can we sort of maybe expect, what is something that we don't have to sort of worry about. Right. It's not like it's not like leukemia. It's not like other ones where you have to be. Uh, who was Anna? Kristen Anna recently, where she had to go and stay in hospital for weeks and months at a time. It wasn't like that. So I just wanted to find out sort of a, a little guideline of sort of what we can expect. Yeah. Will we be able to go out and take yeah. to the beach? Yeah. Will we be able to do whatever it is? So I just wanted to know. But I no, I didn't Google. I didn't do Google a lot of the sort of medical terms and that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I think we decided we decided together that we weren't going to. We decided that it's just going to. It's a rabbit hole yeah. for us. It wasn't a place that we wanted to um, go down. But you know, kudos and respect to other people who feel they need you because, you know, also for them. But for us, it was just, it was too much already. And yeah. I knew I wasn't going to cope. And I had to follow the people that were guiding me. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. To sort of Ian's which, point, which, I've had, I've, I saw something funny that was like men would Google what their symptoms are and it turns out they're pregnant and we know like that's just not right how it goes so no we understand so talk us through the chemo how did you respond how did how did that go her treatment so i I actually wasn't there for very many of those because like majority of all the other dads somebody has to work I think mm. they, they still have to be food on the table. We still have to buy electricity. We still have to right. carry on doing everything else. So, it, yeah, it's one of those things. I my, my work that I am at, well, they were extremely good with it. When I needed to go, when we had a meeting with the oncologist, the professor, when she had big things, I, I could say. There was never a fight or yeah. argument or stress. His job was never on the line. He could take as much leave as what he needed. Um, he chose to carry on working. He chose to be the provider and carry on providing and stuff. And I think it was uh, partly a decision that he made because it is good to step away and be able to mm. step away mm-hmm. and partly because it was needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Grace wanted mom. Oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's different. I, when I get sick, I want my mom. My yeah. mom's currently away and, and I'm like, why are you? You're me. I, I need you, mommy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's it, it was like that. Um, so going back to the chemo, though, yeah. So I, was I, I wasn't there for most of them. I, I popped in whenever I could. Um, 
He popped in every day. He yeah. was there every day. He bought food and he bought snacks and he bought treats. So chemo for us was fine. The port was traumatic. Getting mm. getting access to the port. Oh, My dad came to the hospital once and it took three of us to hold her down with the port, with mm. the Emla, with the numbing stuff. The trauma. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of trauma. It took mm. it took three of us and like some of these nurses are nice big ladies and we're lying on top of this poor child, mm. breaking her spirit mm-hmm. just to put this damn needle in. I think that was probably my worst. Mm-hmm. And it still, it still like haunts me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but other than that, once it was in, she was on the bed, she played, she was happy. We had activities. Um, iPad and coloring in. Uh, yeah. I mean, she got horribly sick. Every single time. Not in the beginning. Not in the beginning. Not this light day dose. Within two weeks, her hair was falling out and she was cruel. She had the longest blonde curly hair, Mm. shiny and healthy and beautiful, but she wanted short hair and she was so damn happy that her hair was falling out. She was so happy to have short hair. (laughs) At first, it started falling out and then you cut like a little bob. And it, that looks so cute with the hair coming across she had, her forehead and it just looks like a short little bug. In three day, in, in, in one day she had three haircuts because <laughs> it was like, if I'm going to do this once, I'm going to have fun with Oh, <laughs> so we did a little bob and then we did a little pixie cut. And then that <laughs> evening we shaved, little, everybody shaved, you know, yeah. the whole family get together. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, the chemo wasn't bad. I must say, I look terrible bald, though. <laughs> <laughs> she would have looked terrible bald, too, so. <laughs> yeah, good for you guys in that. Gracie, Gracie pulled it off so well. But, uh, she I, loved it. It was her favorite favorite part. She understood what she understood the chemo. She would watch it coming in. It was still in the bag. You know, they have to put it in a bag because of the sunlight. And there was a one orange one. The orange one, yeah. Tomato sauce coming in. Yeah, it was she. And um, we've got a few videos of her, like, explaining what it is and where it's going and look at the windy and find down up to her. I mean, this was one of the things that made it so much more real or for everybody. But it, that's, I think that's what hurt more was that she just always had this high spirit and she was just always happy and smiling. And even for getting her chemo, and she's like, oh, no, she's, and she's smiling about it. Mm-hmm. And when Kate, when she was in hospital with Gracie, friends would come around and family would come around and Gracie would just tell them all about it. And this, you can see my tomato sauce, it's coming in and, it, and then it comes in here yeah. in the port. And she was, she was just so chilled about it. And she had such a good spirit about it all, which... Yeah, it's that was that was quite hectic. And three, she's three years old at this point. Yes, and she understands. That's incredible. incredible. Yes, that is incredible. She also only started speaking at round about two as well. Oh my so god! When she spoke, yeah. So when she spoke, she spoke a very strange little accent and then and her funny little words and stuff. It was very interesting the way she 
you know, and all we had all her hearing tests and everything, but she just she did everything her own way when she wanted to, how she wanted to. Oh, and she just wasn't ready to talk. <laughs> she was like my husband, only talks when when necessary. <laughs> I need one of those. <laughs> don't say anything. No, you don't. Communication is key in every marriage. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So she did her chemo. What was after chemo? What was next steps after the those chemo treatments? We did. It was a nine-course chemo or something. Nine okay. course. So every three weeks or two weeks, we had to go back for the chemo. And then we started planning the but, surgery. But, but, yeah. The, the, so the initial bit was to try and get the cancer to kind of just slow down a little yes. bit. Yes, yes. And then we were going to do the selective surgery of removing the main mass because okay. that was putting pressure on her organs and everything okay so i think god i think that's what happened we did that and it was a five and a half hour surgery to remove the mass that was the size of a pomegranate and i, I made a very silly joke to ian and i was like that's the size of our baby now <laughs> like oh i'm 18 gosh. weeks and that's the exact same size oh my gosh wow. this week Oh my gosh, you're you're expecting now. Oh, oh congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. Oh very great very, very exciting. But at the same time they're talking about the surgery and this huge surgery and she was in ICU for a while and then she came out and she was just so chuffed with her shark bite scar yeah. on her stomach. Yeah. It was just the best thing to slice bread. Oh, it was, it was a shark bite. It was massive, and it went across the whole thing, and she would be like, I just got bitten by a shark. She was walking within two, three days. She was, like, super chilled. Oh. So the surgery went yes. well. It was... Like what they had yeah. expected, no complications. They got 95% out. There were a few things that they weren't so happy with. So that's why she was in ICU for, only for a night. Mm-hmm. And then she was in high care for a few nights. But also it was more, I think, I think it was more just because they everybody loved her so much. She was like famous in the hospital and, and they were just so cautious and, and, and you know treating her like a film star royalty royalty mm-hmm. i mean obviously they treated all the kids beautifully but i i felt that they put us in high care to be like overly cautious mm-hmm. she was but, but that is what i say though is that she just had this amazing this amazing spirit and sort of almost aura about her that you couldn't say no yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just it was just that type of thing that she just she just lit up the room, and it, it's funny that so many of, so many kids with with cancer and that kind of thing. And I, I listen to your other episodes, and it's so many people say the same thing. Yes, yeah. And it's this is before they even before we knew she had cancer. Before the kids, they knew they had cancer. Yeah. It was just this. It was just different. Mm-hmm. Like there was there was something. There's, there's else. something else about these children. You can't pinpoint it, but they are different. Yeah. Before yeah. we even found out, we knew she was, we knew she was different. But they, she was just different to our other kids and she different just, to our other friends' kids. And there was just something about her. Yeah. She was just better than everybody else. <laughs> yes, yes. I keep saying that when I would see her. She was like, just in a different league. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I used to say this one's going to change the world. This one's because she's just, yes. Exactly. And Kate's dad, I mean, between Kate and her sister, there's five kids, but Gracie was his favorite. Yeah. Yeah. That's not because she was the youngest. She was his favorite. There's 
pictures of her at one years old with a huge drum of paint all over his garage and everywhere. And it's just locked about. It's not, it's not, it's like. Oh. <laughs> he still talks around. about it and he's still got the paint all over the floor. Oh. And he's, he's not cleaning that. No, that no, absolutely <laughs> not. So the surgery went well. She recovered okay. Yeah. Her shark bites were infamous around the hospital. Yeah. What was next? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I tend to block things out quite a bit, but we we ended up that the, the chemo wasn't working and that the tumors it was just growing fast. Um, so they decided to put her on a higher dose, which was the sleepover for a few nights, and we did that for quite a few weeks until it stopped working. Until mm. like literally they said, okay, we're now gotten to that point. Nothing else. She's just getting sick. There's nothing more. Um, so, so I can't remember how many weeks it was, but it was past September, October. It was still quite a while. Yeah, it was just before her birthday. Yeah. Was it? November, yeah. So she stopped just, so. I think so. So she carried on for a long time without any chemo or treatment. Yeah, this is why I got my wife to help me. <laughs> I'm useless. I'm useless, though. <laughs> we should have gone through her Facebook and just made a note of it all the day. <laughs> Uh, we, yeah, we, we did the chemo for a while and then the surgery and then a different type of chemo mm. and it just sort of got to the point where it wasn't really doing overly much. Yeah, that mm. chemo was making her sick. Yeah, and then it was it was constantly nights and nights and a few nights at a time in the hospital and we just got to the point where we sort of decided that this is not the route we chose. Mm -hmm. We chose the quality of life. If we want Gracie and Ella to spend time together, we want the memories. We want them. We want Ella to remember her, her sister. We don't want her to remember the time when she was at home with me and Kate was in the hospital. And I, we, 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 we did swap and Kate would come home for a night. And when, when, when we knew Gracie was staying over for a few nights, we tried. And whenever Gracie would allow me to come and join her for the night, I had a sleepover, um, but for most of the part, it was Kate in the hospital with her. Mm -hmm. So it, it was difficult for all of us, um, especially Ella, because she was sort of just changed so quickly yeah. that it was only me and her, and it was uh, Gracie with Kate. And so it got to the point where we sort of realized, and we, we kind of said, but this is not what we signed up for, essentially. We wanted the quality of life. Um, and this is not this is not it. Um, and so we kind of just had to. That that was also the time when the chemo and all the medication she was on was making her aggressive. Um, oh. And and so she wasn't even Grace anymore. There was, mm. I think we have two smashed phones from that time of wow. of when she picked up the phone and threw it across the hospital room. And once they had to put us in a in a room by herself because what she didn't want to do. She wanted to be with other children. Um, but she was so aggressive and screaming at night, and we couldn't console her. There was nothing we could mm. do, um, you know, except for pump more medication in her to calm her down. Yeah. Uh, so that that was also happening. We were having complete meltdowns, which, you know, again wasn't had. It had nothing to do with the cancer or the treatment or the needles or anything. It was just a pure. She she was obviously also in pain. The pain management wasn't on the right level yet and we were still all trying to figure that out yeah but yeah we just did what we can to sort of try and keep her happy so that we could uh, i think a lot of our focus was on just keeping her happy and pain free to be able to make memories mm -hmm. 
my saying was that, you know, Gracie's dying of cancer, but Ella's the one who's going to live with it. Yeah. Mm. So Ella's the one that's going to live the rest of her life lost, basically, because her best friend and sister is gone. So, like, it was all about making sure that Gracie was home with us as a family, making sure that Ella had us as a family and that and that she was part of everything so that one day when she, like now, she understands and, and, and you know, she she was part of it and she can think back and she's got the best memories and she talks about Grace all the time. And I'm so glad that we did it the way we did because it's better for Ella. Yeah. We also, I think, around about that time, just after surgery, before and but mostly more after, we had sort of started making a list, a bucket list of what she wants to do mm-hmm. um, and what she and Ella want to do and what they wanted to do together as yeah. sisters. And just sort of making a list of things that they want to do to just constantly be making these memories and building these memories and sorry, <laughs> just trying to go through this and try to do as many things as we can. She wanted to go in a fire engine. And so Kate was at home with her. I was working. So Kate was just organizing all of this stuff 24 7. That was her job, basically. Man, Kate Town stepped up. Yeah. Oh, Kate Town stepped awesome. up big time. And yeah. She wanted to go in a fire engine and they did. And she wanted to go in a cop car and this beautiful undercover, no lights, this ghost, Lexus. The ghost car. Yeah, here we call them ghost cops. This Lexus undercover cop car with the cops came. And she just wanted the siren going, can't see. Helicopter rides. She did everything. She managed to, to, to do everything except for one of our hospital friends wanted to swim with dolphins and go to Durban and or at least see the dolphins. It wasn't even swim with dolphins. It was just they wanted to go. And this boy passed before he was... On his way at the airport, and his he started bleeding or something. I can't remember the, the details. And he passed three days later. He didn't oh. manage. <sighs> and so I think Grace heard us talking about it. She was like, "I need to see Aleem's dolphins. I need to see oh. Aleem's dolphins." So that's the one thing that she couldn't do. But we still went afterwards, and we took Ella, and Ella saw Aleem's dolphins. Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. So that was the only thing. Other than that, she did everything. <laughs> Did she get a make a wish? No, no, she did, yeah. Oh. Um, it's called Reach for a Dream. Yeah, yeah okay. Similar, similar, similar thing. Yeah. yeah, so she wanted to go to I think Disney World. It's, because she was three, they kind of let us guide her. That's good. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah. Because yeah. we didn't yeah. guess that, yeah. but we did it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. I think we would have, well, we, so they didn't give us the whole trip. They, they organized us a day pass, um, in Paris and they paid for our hotel. Oh, um, amazing. So it was a rally of, again, Cape Town, Cape Town people, actually people all over the world, kind of just everybody got on board. The problem with Cape Town and the Rand is that we have to convert to <laughs> dollars or euros or something like that. Uh-huh. So you think like one to 20 type thing. Now you get there and a cup of coffee is like three euros. And you're like, I don't need coffee. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so every, yeah. everything you're doing is constantly like, this is a hundred Yeah. It's, like, it's, only, it's only two, three euros, but. And so yeah, we just we just kind of 
we thought again about the memories. About exactly. Exactly. Disneyland. What is Disneyland? So, it was Disneyland Paris. Disneyland. Um, so we chose Paris because Ian's parents were in England or live in England, so they could come and meet us there. Beautiful. We have friends in England. They came and met, met us there. And a friend from Ireland actually came for the day and she took photos of us. That was, that was, sorry, she just passed away last oh. week from cancer as well. Oh. So, yeah, that was really special. She came to Paris for the day just to take photos of us, a photographer. So that was amazing. So Paris was the right choice and it was, the flights were easier for us. But yeah, she, her reach for a dream was kind of, we, we chose it together as a family. And again, it was chosen for Ella as well, Love because it. yeah, my, my feeling was, you know, again, Ella's the one who lives, has to live with it. She should get a dream as well. Yeah. And she felt good. Gracie felt good through that trip. We found a Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, she was awesome. <laughs> she was obsessed with, she was obsessed with superheroes for, oh. for quite a while. <laughs> So the Spider-Man and Superman and all of them. So we we took her to see Spider-Man. Oh, um, I think Disney was, had just taken over Marvel, so it was like, you know, we 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 weren't expecting it at all. And then there was a Spider-Man thing. No, she was okay during the trip. She slept a lot, but she was in good spirits, and we had all the medication. Her pain was managed. Oh, good. At that point, we were on we were on the liquid morphine. Oh. Yeah. So we every 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 time going through hospital, uh, going through airports and everything was super fun. Okay. Getting them to they wanted to check everything and yeah, the French are not friendly. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but everybody says <laughs> those damn French. <laughs> My husband's part of France. <laughs> <that's laughs> <laughs> No, it's fine. This is a place of yeah. same thing. Yes, Honestly, I'm, I'm still not changing my mind. Though. Half of me is friendly. The other half is not so friendly. Oh, that's funny. We, we had to kind of, yeah, when we, just before we left, actually, a couple of weeks before, we had to kind of really work hard to make sure that everything was okay before we left so that there wouldn't be any issues and yeah. we were everywhere we went we had a letter um and all of our documents and anything if anything happened we could be we could go to the hospital and be like this is we, yeah we knew on. where all the hospitals were we had the whole plan we had the letters from everybody we had the medication list we had everything in a bag constantly yeah. and yeah. luggage with us we yeah prepared nothing no we were actually the the, the 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 holiday was great we didn't have any issues like i said by that time we were on the liquid morphine already paracetamol was like was like juice for her so the liquid morphine was the only thing working plus all of the other medicines she was on as well yeah, the steroids and everything mm. so the the whole make a wish that the whole thing was it was really good and like okay so it's my Mom and dad came over and my sister from the UK came over and it was just, it, everything just worked out so wonderfully, um, except for Disneyland. It was raining. Oh, it was pouring. It was oh. raining. Oh. So we, within, with, with all of the, the whole thing, they had organized the hotel and the entrance in because it's expensive. Yeah. Mm. Uh, 
So we eventually left after the parade, um, which was pretty shit anyway because it was raining. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. We got, home. we got home and we were like, you know what? We've got this amount of money. Let's just go again tomorrow. The, the weather was better. So we went back again so that we could just go see more stuff. Yeah. We left before, before the parade. Yeah, we left before the parade the second time, but even the first, the first yeah, the first night. Which I, that was the nice day. That weather yeah. was good, and then we, but we were tired, so we left, and then we okay. went the next day, and it was pouring with rain, but we had to stay for the damn parade. <laughs> <laughs> and Grace was dancing, and she was all of the Peter Pan oh. like was coming past, and all of the things, and she was having such a good time. Yeah. We were donated a, a baby carrier, you know, you know those. Yeah baby wearing things yes um but it was made for like toddlers and all the children and so I, she, she wanted me to carry her so i could mm. carry her on the front when she wanted to sleep or on my back or however she wanted to be um so we traveled france basically like that oh. like i was <laughs> yeah. i was like that was probably the like best muscle time of my life <laughs> um I was walking behind with all the four suitcases. With all four suitcases. Because, <laughs> of course, we had to go shopping a lot. Of course. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Souvenirs. Um, well, UK and stuff is one of the only places that actually make girls' clothes with boys' styles. So Grace could actually find leggings with skulls and, and trucks and stuff on, but they were leggings, so they were girls' fit. So uh-huh. we, we did a lot of shopping. Love so, it. Uh, it's like different. She she would tell people that she is a boyish girlish yeah, boyish. She was just a she was a, a boy girl born in a girl's body type. I'm thing. I'm pretty convinced that she she would have been transgender. She, I, I'm pretty convinced that uh, I was convinced she was a boy throughout the pregnancy, even though they kept telling me she's a girl, and I was like, no, bro. So you know, <laughs> and she came out and she was a girl, and I was still. Mm. <laughs> she, she, she wore underpants she wore boys clothes she i i say she so loosely <laughs> oh um, but yeah completely different kid yeah completely different. i i say she was too big for this world mm-hmm. wow yeah definitely so you guys come back from your trip carried on with literally went to the hospital the next the day, next day yeah. mm. Um, and then, and we started the pain management. We started the palliative pain management. Um, at one stage, she started with really bad headaches, really, really bad headaches. And we, there was a, a little clot in her brain, um, tiny, but still, we had to start with the anticoagulants injections morning and night. And, mm-hmm. you know, our, as our hospitals are, they're going to, they train you to take your children home. So, of course, he has Ian and I every night busy injecting our child, screaming these, the spire stuff into her legs and the bruises. Because she's also, her blood is just already, you know, not clotting. <laughs> so, and then we've got to add in extra stuff. It was, she, she uh, that was horrible. But it took her headaches away. But that, that also gives me a lot of nightmares and stuff still to this day is again holding her down yeah pumping the stuff and i keep have to remind myself that at the time that's what we thought was best yes 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 you know yes yes i remember i remember one night when kate i don't know she wasn't there i don't know if she was out of the way or something but i 
it was during those anticoagulant injections and I had to Sit on her. Yeah, I had to get her to take this injection and I'm I'm on my own and I'm, there's nobody else to help me. And now I eventually I had to sort of just get her down somehow and try and sort of lie on top of her and get this mm. thing in her quickly. Because that's what we needed to do. That's what we were told that we needed to do. Is she needs to have these things, otherwise it's just going to work. Otherwise, right. you know, the brain right. got yeah. in her brain. On hindsight, I think I should have maybe done a bit more investigation on that. Mm. Um, I, I think, you know, I was a bit scared and a bit didn't want to fight with doctors or, or say anything. So on hindsight, I think I would have liked to maybe get more another scan more opinions mm. and stuff and then because because a few weeks maybe two weeks throughout that then the prof came and he came and he was just like no let's take her off it's, it's trauma let's see how it goes and we took her off and the, the the headaches were gone so i mean obviously it did work but wow wasn't quite worth it, wasn't yeah. quite worth it. Yeah. but then again we don't know what would have happened if she didn't take it yeah so. yeah yeah so how much longer was she on palliative care? That was the last two months. No. We, we went through, no, she was, was more. Long. But six we, months. Yeah, after a while, the, the morphine also, she was taking so much <laughs> that it... The, what's it called? Compaction, compaction? Yeah, everything was just starting to become more and more, and it was becoming so, not excessive, but there was just so much going on. And then she was on so many steroids and this and the mm-hmm. morphine, and then you Encounteract that yeah. because that's not helping and causing this other issue. And right. I remember at one fecal, point fecal compulsions that we were in hospital for yeah. literally because she needed to shit. Mm. Like yeah. constipation. You know, every couple of yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. It was to the she point was, where uh, you could actually see it. Oh. You could see she was so skinny that you could actually see the little lamps in her tummy. Oh my wow. gosh. Um, it was it was awful. And then having to you know, put down tubes in her stomach to get the the the, the <laughs> The, moving, yeah. yeah, get the bowels moving and stuff. <sighs> that was horrible. Yeah. But, yeah. We, at one point, because of everything else, and it just, it, everything else, everything just wasn't working. It wasn't jolly nice to eat together. Mm-hmm. So we stopped the morphine and we went onto the fentanyl patches. Oh, I wish we had done that sooner. Yeah. Yes, we but did the that, fentanyl that patches also, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. They were, they were literally, they were like, Game changers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. They are. But they're not government issued here. They mm. are so expensive. Mm-hmm. And she was, when she started, she was on one patch and then she sort of moved. One patch would last for sort of four days. Uh-huh. And then it just. Did, I didn't have anything to yeah, do. Then it just got increased almost double within the first period that we started doing it. Yeah. And we bought four or five boxes of these things and they are expensive. And she's going through like. The box had five in it. She was going through that in less than a week. You have to overlap them so that there's a constant supply. Yes. It's just crazy. To put it bluntly, about, about a man's supply would have been Ian's entire salary. Wow. Um, that's, I'm, I'm, that's how much it, it, it costs here. And it, that's also why it, it's not government issued. Oh, my uh, gosh. I'm still from... Back then, three. This is more than three years ago. I've still yeah. got debt from those times. Yeah. Oh my god! Because I stopped working instantly, and that was an immediate, immediate, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But you know, so we carried on with the 
fentanyl patches for a bit, but it just started becoming crazy. And then I think that's when she started going down. Yeah. And then that's when we had a meeting with the palliative guys. And, uh, and our, our friend Gail, she lived, they happened to move around the corner from us. And she has been, she's a nurse. She's only just retired now. And she was kind enough to to basically be a nurse, pop in every day, help us with everything. Um, so because of her as well, we could be at home. Mm. She's a midwife. She's a midwife, yeah. She does pregnancies and stuff. But, I mean, she knows how to do everything. Yes. So we, with that in mind, we could say we went and had a chat with the palliative care team and we said, look, this is not working for us. We need to, we're not going to be staying in hospital 24 7 no. from now on type of thing. Yeah. And then we managed to sort of turn our lounge at home into the hospital room essentially with the drivers. And by then they had said, they said, you know, when the fentanyl patches weren't working and she started sleeping a lot more and stuff. They were like, right, you know, we need to start preparing. What would we like to do? We want to move into the hospital. And we were like, no, <laughs> no. I had a very traumatic night one evening where a child had passed away. And I unfortunately saw the undertakers come and fetch the body. And it, it, I was just, no, it's happening at home. Yeah. No ways. So they were very, very happy to help us and support us. Um, we were also absolutely blessed that the main doctor on our team lived in the same area as us in the same suburb so for her five minutes drive was yeah we had i remember the the, the issue was the medicine um mm -hmm. and that they didn't really want us to do the medicine because you would get those little glass vials and you would have to mix that into the what's massive it, syringe, mm -hmm. syringe that goes on and, and that's why we were lucky enough to have gail just around the corner that we could sort of say to the team, look, we've got this lady, she'll come in. I'll go fetch her now and bring her back here quickly. And she will be there all the time. She can come morning, afternoon, night, if that's what it needs to be. Yeah. Um, and at first, I think we were on a 24-hour syringe. And then within about a week or so, it went down to a 16-hour. So we had to constantly make sure that we had another one ready and set alarms and the, and she was on the fentanyl and the, what was the other one on the driver I, there were I two i can't remember just to sort of calm it down the fentanyl was the pain the other one was just to sort of keep it calm mm -hmm. uh, but of course they don't work together so oh no it was just this constant constantly changing syringes and yeah we were at home for about Two months. Shame. They told us they were like, you know, you need to prepare yourselves. This is. It looks like it's the beginning of the end, and you know, around about a few days, any time within the next few days. Six weeks later. Oh, wow. We're still sitting with a child who's in and out of consciousness. I, I say to Ian, uh, I wanna. <laughs> why did I say no to sour worms? The one day she woke up and she was present, and we gave her some drinking yogurt, and she wanted sour worms, and was her favorite obviously the chemo changes their taste buds yeah. so she'd like dark chocolate and sour worms you know the gummy mm -hmm. horrible uh -huh. gummy sweets <laughs> i think that's what so the baby I, almost choked on in the yeah, last episode <laughs> she liked the sourness yeah. the lemony flavor yeah. the yeah. sourness is like yeah. the only thing that yeah. yeah so and then she ate a few and she just wanted to keep eating and i i actually took it away from her and she cried and now to this day i'm like why did i say no 
Why didn't I let it's the okay. fucking nine kids have okay. the nine child eat her sourings? Yeah. yeah. I think that point as well, she was on a <laughs> on an esophagastric, and we were feeding her oh. through the esophagastric tube. And yeah. Even yeah. Ella was helping with that. Okay? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she wanted to be part of everything. Yeah. Um, just, so we just carried on. Some days Grace should wake up and want one of us and we could lie on the bed. Some days she was asleep. She was, it was almost like in the coma, but, but not. Mm. It was very strange because her heart rate, rate would start dropping and, you know, we would phone the doctor and the doctor would come and sit with us and, and stuff. And then suddenly, you know, it all comes yeah. back to normal. We kind of a few times we were like, okay, it's, it's going to happen like now. And then she would sort of turn around and wake up and be like, oh, and it just, she just wasn't ready. Oh yeah. my gosh. But we all lived in the lounge. We had a mattress on the floor that would come in. We had the fireplace going for six weeks. Luckily it was, well, not luckily, but it was in winter. So we had the fireplace in the lounge and the big TV and we had people from our neighborhood drop off bags of wood because they heard that we had a oh. fire going. And they nobody wanted us to go without the fire. Yeah. And Ella slept in the lounge, and you know we all started by taking turns in the lounge and stuff. But by the end of it, we were all just sleeping in the lounge all together. It was like, um, and you know we call it Christmas beds, but it was like you know like family time. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like sleepover. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> typical. Yeah. And like ordering pizzas and everybody's bringing suppers. And Amazing. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I think that's when they started the the meal plan thing. So one of kids' friends started a, a meal plan thing, and people could choose certain days where they were yeah. going to drop off the meal. Plans. Yep. And so we would get, I don't know, this one day, and then the next day we'd have like some awesome. awesome soup and tomato and some soup, and then the next day somebody else organized like pizza takeout, and then the next day it was just incredible how <laughs> the sort of community and our absolutely and yeah together. It was awesome. Yeah, from day one, we yeah. just had such an amazing support. Yeah. That's amazing. Sure. So we at home and in our hospital bed in home, in our lounge, and we just sort of did whatever we could. And then it got to a point where the tumors were starting to grow more aggressively, and it's the one started growing behind your eye. <sighs> and it just grew so quickly i mean within a within a few weeks she couldn't wow. open her eye mm. but we had to constantly be cleaning it. So myself and the nurse would be cleaning it every single day and and, and the, like without trying to be hardcore but it, it was pushing it was yeah. pushing mm. so i couldn't look at her so we'd have to put eye masks on so she obviously went blind and, and she woke <sighs> up at some stage and she couldn't see properly that was that was the worst. That was probably the worst. Like, okay, our kid's dying. Like, I get it. But damn, do you have to yeah. like, make her make blind? It so yeah. Ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just so, just horrible for everybody. Yes. Um, and put in and had to clean it. Somebody had to do it, and I just, I just couldn't. There was mm. just no. But she had to have the, she had to have the mask on. At so, first, there was only the one eye because your eye needs to be kept moist. Mm-hmm. So she had to have the mask and covering it to keep the eye moist. Um, because obviously then, it couldn't close. Yeah, and then it started on the second eye. Oh, my God. 
Started behind behind the ear, we could see, we could actually visibly start seeing the tumors grow and like grow oh behind the ears. Lord. And that was that was literally in the last few weeks. So you know, it was it all that all those tumors started after the doctor had already said like, oh, it could be a couple of days. So. Yeah. Hmm. And Ian's mom, Ian's mom had left England and um, she stayed with us for a good five, four or five weeks, as long as she possibly could. Mm. And my parents were on the property as well. They were staying in the cottage at the back. So they were just constantly present. My parents had actually booked a holiday for, I think, three weeks after we sort of started that mm. palliative process at home. Um, they had booked a holiday. My and then when they when they found out that we were starting this and it was so aggressive and it could be days, my dad couldn't stop. But my mom came down straight away, and then three weeks later, my dad came down. Uh, and and they, sister, yeah, and my sister, yeah. Uh, but just we just did what we could, try to keep her comfortable and as pain free as what we could um, until the and last day. So it happened. It was. At eight o'clock at night, nice and dark, winter, cold, stormy outside. Ian's mom had left the day previously. The day before, yeah. The day before. <sighs> and I I went to go bath and I came back and I jumped, you know, clean jammies and I jumped in bed and I gave her a cuddle and then her, she was warm. And then like I did my normal, started checking her heart rate and started, and this, this, uh, she had obviously had just stopped. Just stopped. Uh, the minute I got in, and so everybody says she was waiting for that moment. She yeah. didn't want me there. Mm-hmm. I I had been with her. I was in the lounge with her. And I had, I think I had just tucked her back in or something, and then mm-hmm. I was just sitting down on the couch next to her watching TV. So she chose a moment that was me, Ian, Ian, Ella, myself, and peace, peaceful, quiet. Yeah. Mm. And I was there. And then we didn't, we chose not to um, wash her body afterwards. I know some, some people do that. We chose not to. We chose to keep her in her favorite pajamas. And they came to fetch her with her teddy bear. Mm. Um, she wanted, we actually asked her if she wanted to be buried or cremated and explained the process. And she wanted to be cremated because she yeah. wanted to come with us on our holidays. And she wanted to to, to be with us all the time. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. So we still have her, her ashes. We have spread them in a few little places sometimes, or one time in her favorite place, overlooking this massive field overlooking giraffes in the wild, and it's just oh, incredible. Beautiful. Like a, we went there with her. Yeah. The first time we went there, she wanted to see it was giraffes. giraffes. Yeah, she wanted to see giraffes. So somebody found out about it and contacted Kate and said, "I've got this place for giraffes and all kinds of other." Mm. I don't know what you call it, venison. What you call it? <laughs> uh, buck. All kinds of other springbuck and warthog and waterbuck and all kinds of other wild animals, zebras and stuff like that. But she also had giraffes and she oh. had horses and a miniature horse. And so she also met Gracie. Um, she invited us. We she, took the seven-hour drive. Oh my god! We took her there. <laughs> so we, we we went back there. Not this. Grace, not this Gracie week, the week, the year before last, last year, year, we went back there for Gracie week. Um, and oh. it was just, it was just the right time. Yeah, we didn't plan it, but we had our ashes with us and the sun was setting. We, all my parents were with, 
um, and my sister and her kids were with, and the sun was setting, and the giraffes were below us and stuff. So we just, you know, did a little handful, and then, um, but yeah, the, the little box comes with us everywhere we go. Beautiful. Except the one, the one year I forgot it in the, the like hotel room, and Ian had to drive two hours to go. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> That was terrible. Oh, no. That was like, that was was horrible. Well, I think this is a great break point for us. But when we come back, we want to hear all about Gracie Week and how you guys still honor and celebrate her, but also how the family has been able to continue after such trauma and such tragedy. So we will continue with Ian and Kate on the next one. Hello, you.